Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. I want to share a few thoughts with you because the Lord has given me a very inspirational and encouraging message for you today. Amen. Because if he doesn't inspire me, I'm going to sit down and we're going to wait on the Lord. That day could come, you know that? We might just have worship. We might just be sitting here looking at each other, even though you're every other row. Some of you like that. I'm glad he's over there. I'm glad for this DMZ between us. You guys laugh, but it's true. We got to learn how to get along. I was sharing this with the leadership, and I, I want to share it again with all of you this morning. When I was out by the pool, because that's where God told me to go. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? I just want you to go out by the pool and watch your kids swim. And just this, I've got this coronavirus thing. You're going to shut the church down. Just go, this is my church. Just go out by the pool and go swimming. I'm like, Lord, is that really you? You know, God will tell you to go swimming. He told Jesus to go swimming. So I'm out by the pool. It's after Passover. I believe it was that Sunday. And I was praying about the coronavirus and just seeking God and just emptying myself and just praying. See, the key to the last days is not just hearing a word from the Lord, but he's going to confirm it by his word. We're not going to go around just speaking words over people. That's how, that's how so many people's, people's lives have been damaged because of that. You were spoken over things that shouldn't have been spoken over you. So we need to correct all that. So I'm out by the pool, and he just lays it on me. He says, I want you to look at Solomon's prayer. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 37. I'm just, this is my monologue. Because I want to share what, what God's put on my heart, because it's very relevant for today. If there be in the land famine, if there be pestilence, blasting, mildew, locust, or if there be caterpillar, if their enemy besiege them in the land of their cities or their jurisdiction, if he comes within your jurisdiction, whatsoever plague, whatsoever sickness there be, the word plague, it's the Hebrew word negah. Verse 38 of 1 Kings 8, what prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel, which shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands toward this house. Then hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and do and give to every man according to his ways whose heart thou knowest, for thou, even thou only, knowest the hearts of all the children of, his, or the children of men. For you know as the hearts of all the children of men, all of them. 
that they may fear thee all the days that they live in the land which thou gavest unto our fathers. So I'm working on that in my heart. And, and matter of fact, the word plague, the connotation is a mark. There, there's something on your heart that's not right that God wants to clean up. He wants to fix. You know, it talks about getting a new heart and everything. You know, when, when David fell into trouble with Bathsheba, you know that he already had wives and concubines. Did you know that? I mean, he was, he was a satisfied man. He was not without. He couldn't say, I'm lonely. I need a help me. No, he had all that. What happened is he stepped outside. And, and when he cries out to God in the psalm, he says, renew a right spirit within me. What was David saying? He was saying in the Hebrew, it means a constant spirit. See, he, he had a lapse in judgment. He had a one little lapse and it brought harm on his, on his own house, his own name. Did you know that? From that point on, there was a lot of trouble in his house because he had a momentary, he had a, he had a, he had a lapse in good judgment. So we want to have a constant spirit. Don't leave here and go sin. Don't indulge in something you shouldn't. So when I'm looking at this, you know, and the Lord was really ministering to me, and, and of course, you see behind me the altar of incense. How many of you have we've been teaching about the tabernacle for many, many years? And there's, there's some good, good teachings on our YouTube channel, Where Are You in the Tabernacle? There's an outer court, inner court. I'm not going to get into all of it. But see, God's got a way of showing us a template. He's got a way of showing us something that, that we need to understand because there's what? Nothing new under the sun. Where do you think motivational speakers get most of their stuff or life coaches or anything? It's right out of the Word of God. See, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing that you got to try to create or invent. It's already been laid out for us. There's nothing new under the sun. So whatever was will be again. Matter of fact, God says even in, in the Scriptures, whatever has been driven away, God requires. So see, Israel was driven away. It was driven away to the othermost parts of the earth. It was no longer a country. And now what's happening? Israel is a hot topic. So whatever has been driven away, God's going to require it. He's going to want it back. And you have to remember this. Israel is the original witness to God's plan. Israel was to be a witness to the nations and an example. And that is what God is repairing and fixing today. Those that call themselves Israel are grafted in where they're natural or wild, you, you are required to be mature and responsible and help fix this world because it's broken. And here's the interesting thing. It's a catch-22. Yeah, he wants us to witness. He wants to be, us to be a light, but don't do it at the expense of your own faith or of your own expression to God. Amen? So what he's saying, Pastor, what I'm saying is that we, we look at this coronavirus and how it's lingering and it's climbing, it's peaking, it's doing things. And so we have to be obedient. So here's the thing, and this is where we kind of miss God. I'll give you a few examples, you know. You know, to the Jewish people, listen to me closely now, to the Jewish people, the Temple Mount and the future temple is very, 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 very important. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, and some of you are going to understand what I'm saying here. As Christians, we should understand it's not that God doesn't want a temple or he despises it or he destroyed both of them because there is going to be a third temple. There's going to be something that's going to happen in the earth. And I believe as Christians, we're going to witness a lot of things. 
And isn't it funny how our, our eschatology today or the things we've been taught in eschatology, which I believe is, is Satan's got his hand in it a little bit, the leaven's everywhere. There's, there's something about the eschatology of today among most evangelicals to try to push Christians away from Israel, Jewish people. You, you don't want to be near there. That's going to be where the Antichrist is going to sit in the temple. There's going to be a tribulation. The Jews are going to go through another Holocaust. Wow, what an encouraging, inspiring message. Like, like we're not going to be affected as Christians in America right now. I mean, I'm scared a statue is going to fall on me because they're trying to move it. So, so think about, oh, well, Israel's not safe. You know, it's interesting because, remember, that's why they didn't go in the promised land. Because fear came on them. And some of you have been to Israel, and you told your friends and your relatives and your coworkers, hey, I'm going to Israel. They're like, aren't you scared? Why would I go? So we're being, see, the church is being set up. See, well, let's just leave the Jews over there in Israel. We'll be the church, and we're going to be raptured out of here. Now it's 2020. We're still here. I actually have a book that I bought for a dollar, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. Thank God I got to graduate from high school in 85 at least. But we're still here, you know. And, and I want to encourage you. I can't say it enough as, as clergy, as a spiritual leader, as an individual. I can't stress this point enough. Please express your faith to God the way you want to. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to dance, dance. If you want to praise him, praise him. If you just want to read a proverb out loud in, your par- in the parking lot, man, you, you express your faith to God. And see, we've got to be careful with spiritual exercises because don't do them to try to appease him. Well, I said in our Father, I threw the Hail Mary. No, the things you do, you want to do to the Father to show your love to him. Like, Lord, I want wisdom. I'm going to read Proverbs every day. I want wisdom, Lord. Father, you, you are full of wisdom. Give me wisdom. Let me read Proverbs, you know. And if you're really cocky and you want a devotional, I double-dog dare you to read Oswald Chambers because he will slay you and flay you. And you'll be underneath the chairs when he's done with you because he knows human nature. Have you noticed a lot of the Christian commentary, even at the turn of the century, Charles Spurgeon, a lot of these guys, man, they were just preaching it. And you're like, what happened to that? What happened to preaching about sin? Where did it go? Sin is still here. Why aren't we repenting? You know, it's so funny. We have a beautiful living room for God in here. This is like a big living room for God. Extra padding on the purple chairs, by the way. Those are Italian chairs from Italy. They're Italian. You can look underneath and see the Italian name. I want you to think about this. How hungry were people for God back in the first century? Now, I want you to hear me out on this. So John the Baptist had to go out into the wilderness to preach because the temple and its whole priesthood was corrupt. Now, remember the principle. Priesthood is good. Temple's good, but it was corrupt. Do you understand what I'm saying? John the Baptist was a priest that had a message Did God get that message out? He sure did, but hear me out on this. You had to go out to the hot, blistering sun, the wilderness, because that's where he was. He didn't say he was in a cafe, and they were sipping lattes. 
No, it says he was in the wilderness. That means a dry place, there's no shade, and you guys are fighting over a rock to see who's going to sit on it. Oh, and once you get out there and you're burning up, you're El Scorcho, and you're burning up, all of a sudden he says, repent! So you're just a glutton for punishment. This guy's just going to be preaching repentance, and you're like, oh my gosh. So the cool thing is, because it's really cool, you do a mikvah, because you're burning up anyway. He's baptizing people in immersion. He's, he, they're, they're doing a mikvah. So they go out to the desert, they sit on a hot rock, you know, and, and he's preaching repentance, and they're like, yes, we, why? Because John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Lord. This is what's so powerful. We have to repent. We have to prepare the way for the Lord. It's just like John the Baptist. We can't just dilly-dally into the temple and see God. We need to really get our ducks in a row, get a plan, get ready. The Messiah is coming, you know, at, at, the, at the appointed time. He came the first time. So I, I want to remind you of that. And we need to know the seasons and the times in which we live. And if you can say to me, I'm a good witness and I'm practicing my faith, you're going to have a good life. I literally quit watching the news. I never thought it would happen. I never thought it would happen. I've heard of this before, that people would quit watching the news. Some of you are like, oh, I haven't watched the news in 20 years. Not to say that we shouldn't be informed. I'm just saying that I literally couldn't turn it on because it was like a spirit in the news of negativity and demonic. And they're just promoting lawlessness through the news. It's like, it's like brain, just what is it called? brainwashed, you know? So what I'm saying is that we have to get ready for what the Father's doing. You know, we just had Tommy Waller here from Har Brakah, the Mount of Blessing, literally a missionary from Israel who was born in the States, giving us a word. Do you understand that? This wasn't somebody from Honduras. This wasn't somebody from China. No, he came from the mountains of Israel and go back and read Jeremiah 31. I'm not going to get into all of it, but this is all these prophecies are coming to pass right in Beit Tehillah right now. Things are happening. Things are accelerating. Why? Because God wants his children. He wants you. And you know, you need to be at the right place at the right time. So here's the thing. I believe there's three classes of people at Beit Tehillah, and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with all of you so all of you can feel comfortable I think there's an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. There's the bride, the bridal party, and the guests. Some of you are not going to want to go the distance. Some of you are not going to want to go to Israel. I respect you. That's fine. We're going to have Beit Tehillah here, but we're so close to Beit Tehillah Israel, I can taste the falafel. You know what I'm saying? I can taste the falafel. And how many of us went on a tour, and then we had to come back here? What a downer. It's like the road to Emmaus. I got to go back to Brandon. And you know, we all said, and I heard this a thousand times. I've been to Israel seven times. I've heard this. I wish I could live here. That wish is going away because the wish is going to be fulfilled. We're going to have a Beit Tehillah Israel. We are. And it's going to be under the umbrella of Hayavel. But what I'm saying is that we are really going to be accelerating this thing. This thing's really happening. So like we get three-month visas, so what will happen is, and I'm just sharing all this right now. We'll work all the details out. 
But the thing is, you know, if you stop and think about it, you get three-month visas. So think about if you could just go to Israel and be in the land and experience everything for like three weeks. You know, like right now, even Hayovel, they have some really good deals. I was just looking at some of the pricing on their website, and, and I'm going to be in negotiations. But if I'm not mistaken, Sarah, it was like for two weeks, you can go over there for $1,200. I mean, so, so think about it like this. Talk is cheap. We believe in the restoration and the regathering of the whole house of Israel, and Judah's waiting for Joseph to show up. You know, it says there's prophecies in, in the prophets. It says that the Gentiles will carry the Jewish children. What? How many of you know you have to trust somebody to carry your children? You're not just going to grab a Jewish child. Hey, no, you're going to have to build trust and know that family, know those people. I got a text from Eliezer, Braun, and he was just telling me how much he misses us and he wants to be here. When are you coming? You know, it was just heartfelt. Like, man, it just touched my heart, you know. Judah's approaching me. He's texting me, right? So, so I want to encourage you, and, and, and we're going to get started here because I do have an inspirational message, and I want to share it with you to, to prepare you, to get you ready. Here I have a color-coded biblical calendar in the foyer to put on your fridge. You like that size? I think I'm going to make some bigger ones. Now, this is going to help you and guide you along, and I put a little okay when it's passed. Now, right now, we're, we're almost in the very middle of this thing, to be honest with you. Uh, we have, of course, here, June 22nd in the eve it was, the, was the new moon, the month of Tammuz. And then, of course, the next thing to happen is July 8th, Tammuz 17, in the evening, I believe, the golden calf incident. We're going to be going into the three weeks of affliction. So what I want to submit to you is geographically speaking, and speaking of calendars, you want to be at the right place at the right time. So how many of you know right now, and I'm trying to keep up with it, but it's so elusive in regards to this, uh, you know, peace plan with our government and with the government of Israel, with President Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, but there, there hasn't been anything... Uh, confirmed, but how many, how many believe that the Jewish people should be able to live in a house in the land of Israel? And it's the most bizarre thing, like Jews can't build houses and live in them in their own country. And now there's this uproar and there's protesters even over there. Isn't it interesting that when God begins to really move, the devil just throws a temper tantrum, a temper tantrum. And this is what we're seeing, you know. And so I want to, I want to, really, really caution you uh, about getting in your car and going somewhere or doing something, pray about it. Really pray about it, you know. Should you go there and should you go here? Because you don't want to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, with God and his calendar, you will be at the right place at the right time. And remember, this is something I learned from John Bevere, and, I, and I've actually learned this personally. I'm not going to go into my personal experiences. I want to share something with you that's really interesting Sin is simply disobedience. Disobedience is sin. So when I say what is sin, some of you say, well, it's drunkenness. It's, it's sleeping around. It's lying. That's missing the mark. That's a sin. But let me tell you something. You could actually need to be somewhere and you don't show up. You have sinned against the Lord. When you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, you have sinned. Okay. 
And, and, and it's kind of scary when you think about the unpardonable sin. There's a lot of debate over that. But if you want to really hear the truth of that definition or understanding or meaning, when you attribute the works of God to the devil, it's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you are cutting off the very means of God to fulfill the things he wants to fulfill in the earth with his prophecies and with his people. Amen? And so I, I want to share that because it's so important. You know, I, I learned a long time ago to respect people's free will because if you don't, you're going to get into manipulation, sorcery, witchcraft, peer pressure, and who wants that? Nobody wants that. So just remember what I said. You're not out there to convert everybody, to win everybody over. We're right. The church is wrong. Listen, the church is going to do what the church is doing. Okay? All the false religions are going to do what they're going to do. Right? That's what Babylon is. It's not just chaos and confusion. Babylon means false religion. There's a lot of that going on, isn't there? And I was just thinking about it. You know, the Baha'i faith is like New Age. They, their headquarters is in Israel, beautiful place, the Baha'i faith. The Druze are there. The Muslims are there. The Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox are in the land of Israel. Even the garden tomb is run by an old chap. The British, the English. Where's Beit Tehila? Where are we? What are we, chopped liver? You guys, you understand what I'm saying? Why not? Why not? And, and, and I'm telling you, God's raising you up for such a time as this because we have to teach Christians true prophecy. Because while they're waiting to witness to somebody or be raptured, we could be doing the work in the kingdom. You can be working towards something instead of withdrawing in black helicopters and wheat buckets and scared. No, the devil should be scared of us. Think about it, everybody. If God promised you something, why would you be scared? Hayovel's fearless on the, on, on the Harbrook. There's 200,000 Arabs and Nablus just below them. Right below them. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're on a mountaintop, mount of blessing, and there's 200,000 Arabs and Nablus. Shechem, the biblical city of Shechem. They're fearless. Why? They're following the will of God and they're going after the inheritance. Have you, have you thought about when you read the Bible, these people are doing all these things, but we never find these people. They're like a myth. Oh, these people are doing stuff in the Bible, but it's not me. Why can't it be you? Why isn't it you? You know, God chose Beit Tehila to fulfill prophecies. Amen? So the season of summer, are you guys ready? Season of summer. Let's kick it off with this. You are here. Okay? Do you see the state of Florida? Do you see the sun? It was so funny. You know, I was going to buy some flip-flops and suntan oil and kick a few beach balls out in here and stuff, and the Lord's like, that's your idea. That's not mine. So I had to put that away. Plus, I don't know what size flip-flop you wear. But if I had the right size, you could probably get them. So we're all burning up right now. You know, put the air on like 
75. It's on, it stays at like 79 or 80 to like midnight. Have you ever experienced that? There's something wrong with my air. No, buddy, it's hot, okay? And your AC's out there going, <gasps> choking. So the summer season began on June 20th and ends on September 22nd, 2020. So I want you to get this picture. The, the season of summer is the most important season to be spiritual. Why would you say that, Pastor Nick? Because prophetically, we are in the feast of what? Shavuot or Pentecost. God has poured out his spirit, right? And he's still pouring out his spirit, but there's other spirits. So now that the spring feasts have been fulfilled, and are being fulfilled. We talk about this, and we're going to talk about it at the end. We are moving towards what? The fall feasts. Now, to me, it's interesting because if you look at the, the past, or you look at in hindsight, it's easy to say, okay, if, if Yeshua fulfilled those spring feasts and promised us the Holy Spirit, rest assured, he's going to fulfill the fall feasts. We participate and rehearse them. So there's so much of an anticipation, not like, you know, calling things out that aren't true. If you even go back to the time of, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, how many of those feast days were fulfilled to the day? There was Passover. There was the unleavened bread. There was first fruits. They got married in Exodus 19, right, in the third month, it says. We'll talk about that. And, and everything happened on the day, and then they moved progressively moved on. Do you guys see that? Yeshua comes, he celebrates Passover, he's the lamb, he's the unleavened bread, he serves unleavened bread, and what happens? First fruits comes, right? He rose from the dead. He is our first fruits. He promised the Holy Spirit. He showed himself for 40 days to over 500 people. And then the promise came, did it not? In Acts 2, right? The first car dealership, right? They were all in one accord. Some of you get that. So what I'm submitting to you is that we can't afford to be foolish or immature right now. Now hear me out on this because I'm telling you, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, okay? I'm a student, not a scholar, okay? All right? I'm just telling you this because here's the thing. It's going down. Things are happening right now. Now, if you ever get a chance, go to my teaching where I teach about the last week of Yeshua. How many of the last words of a dying man are important? So hear me out. If you love somebody, you, you'll receive their warnings. So what does Yeshua do? I don't have time to get into all that because you, you need to do this on your own. Because I guarantee if you cry out to God, he'll position you. Is the path that you're on leading to God? You need to know that. Is the path that you're on leading to God? And by the way, you don't have to have all the answers. You can't have all the boxes checked. You just got to go as he leads. As, as the cloud moves, we move. Pillar of fire, we move. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I just want you to understand this because this is so important to be at the right place at the right time. So we go through these seasons. We go through these seasons and once we go through these seasons, you're going to see that these fall feasts will be coming, and we're going to be doing the Daniel fast, because all of you love that. 
The Daniel fast is coming. Teshuvah is coming. It means to return. So you're going after and getting after all the things that God has for you. Why? Because the Greek word promises epigelia. It means a divine assurance of good. So I'm going to lead you through some summer verses. And I was just thinking about this one song, and I started listening to it. And I really couldn't get all the words. But do you remember that how it, it kind of went like this? Summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, 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 some, some, summertime, 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 some, some, summertime, summertime. And then they go into the, the lyrics. You guys remember that? Okay, good. We're going to move on now. Because here's the thing, everybody. There's too many distractions. Literally, for me to quit watching the news, I mean, that, that's like a miracle. I mean, I got this thing down. I got my hot tea because the land of milk and honey, the milk's in the morning, honey at night, and I got my tea, and I got PBS, I got David Muir and the World News, and, and I'm just got, I got, the kids know, man, don't mess with daddy, he's watching the news. That chair's empty, man. I'm not sitting watching that. Not that I don't want to, but it's like, God says, don't watch that, because I felt like there was a spirit coming off the news. Have you ever just watched something? There's a spirit coming off this. I rebuke that. Have you ever just like watched it? says, I don't like what's, what's coming off that movie. So we got to get our ducks in a row. We got to get ready for what's happening. Because this is all good news, people. This is all good news for Christians, for us, for the church. This is great news. And here's the thing. You're trying to get everybody to do what you're doing, but they don't want nothing to do with what you're doing. They don't want to go to Israel. Amen? They don't want to hang out with Jewish people. That's just them. Respect that. But we're going to find the ones that do. Why? Because we want to. It's an opportunity. Hey, Nick, do you want to go to Israel and hang out with Jewish people? Pick me. Pick me. Right? I mean, that's just, but some of you are like, oh, not me. You know, no, I'm not. I'm going to go on a cruise. Right now? No, you're not. I've never been on a cruise. Guess what? I probably never will be. If I want to go on a cruise, I get in my white van. It's a 15-passenger van. We call it the Ark. I could drive it around. I don't think I'll ever be on a boat. So let's look at the season of summer, and, and let's, let's progress and move through this, okay? It's going to end on September 22nd of 2020. Okay, Genesis 8:22. Let's read some verses together. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Psalm 32, verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. You know what selah means? Pause. Think about that. That's what selah means. Pause. Think about it. Jeremiah eight twenty. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. The Babylonian captivity. Does everybody see that? The Babylonian captivity. When did it happen? 
in the summer. The word summer can be found in 14 books of the Bible. I'm cruising now, folks. I'm going to pick up the pace. Once again, if you want this PowerPoint, just call the office. Kathy will email it to you. Don't try to keep up. Don't do it. The word summer can be found in 14 books of the Bible. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Boy, this is a key verse, even if you look at your program. Let's read this together. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Keep going. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. So you don't want to really do anything. You're just going to relax and twiddle your thumbs. All of a sudden, the robber comes and wakes you out of your sleep. Do you see the contrast in this proverb? Is that wisdom? Is it, is it trying to tell human beings that you should be active in the summer? Is that what it's saying? Is that what it's saying? Can't you learn from the ants, right? Can't you learn from the ants? I've learned a lot from ants. I had a situation happen to me in my park in the parking lot where I worked at at the box. I, I parked all and I, and all of a sudden something was just biting me. There were ants in my car. Literally, pulled my pants down, still got my underwear, and I'm like, and the guy goes, "Hey, what's wrong?" I'm like, "I got ants in my pants," and I really did. I, and I laughed about it. I really had ants in my pants. Well, you got ants in your pants? I do. I had ants in my pants. It only happened one time. I'm always checking the car now, you know. And how many of you know when you get married and have kids, there's always food in the car? The Levin Mobile. Are you kidding me? I found a chicken nugget. I'm going to put it in a museum. That thing's hard as a rock. I could use that to slay a giant that chicken nugget that's left in my car. Oh, yeah. French fries, those are like arrows, hard as a rock. And you eat it, and you wonder what it's doing to the inside of you. I know, it's scary, isn't it? Proverbs 30, 25, let's look at another reference. The answer are people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. See those ants? I think I had some animation or something. They used to move across the screen and stuff, but it got too complicated. They're moving towards my car. <laughs> so I try to teach my sons, you know, when I heard about this stuff and summer is so important, I just want to show you this picture. I want my, my children to learn about ants. You know, hang out with them. You can learn a lot. You know, I've got an ant gene, you know. You guys have ants? You got uncles? I mean, really, people, I don't make this stuff up, okay? I know, isn't that the coolest object lesson? You know, nature was here before we were. 
You should always respect nature. The problem with a lot of people is they want to jump on nature and invade nature. I think nature should be viewed from a distance. Amen? Like you see that bear half a mile away. You see that bear? That's good. Let's not move towards the bear. And if he moves towards me, I'm going that way. See? Some people have died because they didn't respect nature. They would jump on stuff or dive in and get stuff and they lost their life. Why? Because you didn't respect nature. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I always, I always teach my kids that, you know. I remember one time they did something. I said, you don't go ripping flowers off of plants and bushes and just and throwing. You look at nature and respect nature. You don't go tearing stuff up and being like a, like a you know, Conan the Barbarian, you know. I will crush the flower. I'm like, no, that's a beautiful, what are you doing? Come on, you guys laugh because you know what I'm talking about. Admire it. Jeremiah 48, 32, here's the weeping prophet. O vine of Sibma, I will weep for thee with the weeping of Jazer. Thy plants are gone over the sea. They reach even to the sea of Jazer. The spoiler is fallen upon thy summer fruits and upon thy vintage. Did you know that in the prophet Jeremiah, there was a point in, in time where the people could have churned it around. Did you know that? Do you remember that? Have you studied Jeremiah? There's a part in there where they could have churned it around and Babylon would have never come into the country. It's true. Go check it out. So Israel is ripe for judgment. Amos chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Israel is ripe for judgment. Let's read it. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon thy people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. So judgment's coming. But when is the judgment coming? When? He's telling you, summer. Micah 7, 7, 1. Micah 7, 1. Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits as the great gleanings of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe grape. Do you see where there's a harvest right now? You know what's interesting is that, see, Hayavel is ready to do harvest. But there's flight restrictions. But you see where they're like chomping at the bit. We got to get people in here. We've got to do the harvest. You see how the enemy just works though? Even worldwide. You see how things happen? Like we've got to do this. Let's look at Israel's agricultural calendar here real quick. March and April is begin the barley harvest. April and May, barley harvest happens. Um, you have May and June, the wheat harvest. July and August, you have grapes and figs ripen. Uh, August and September, the vintage begins. Uh, October, November, the early rains, uh, wheat, uh, barley sowing, and olives. And then, for, of course, February, March is the latter rains. Do you see where you see the early and latter rains? The early rains are in the fall when you plant stuff. Late, late fall, they're going to be planting barley and wheat. So they need what? What do they need? They need the what? They need the early rains. So then the, the latter rains come when? When, the, when barley and wheat start to come up, they need the rain for that. That's why you'll see the water libation ceremony and everything in the fall, uh, according to uh, 
Jewish agricultural calendar and everything. So let's look at the sowing of wheat and barley. Uh, it happens in October, November. And I'm going to show you a little reference here, which is very interesting. Whenever you see like grapes or wheat mentioned, document it in the season, the months. Uh, let's look at John chapter 12, verses 23 and 24. This is October, November in reference to this particular uh, uh, reference to the agricultural part of the calendar. Let's read it. And Jesus answered them saying, the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Does everybody see this? Now, I believe Yeshua is alluding to his birth. So if it's late fall, fall feasts, he's saying, this is when I have come into the earth. Why? Because I came from heaven to earth. What's he saying? But if, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. See, my death is going to bring much fruit. Was that a good word? Isn't that the best? In Judges 6, 11, this is May and June, Check this out. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abezerite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Does everybody see this reference? So what is he doing? He's in the winepress, right? What is he doing? Threshing wheat. But what is he? What is he? He's, he's hiding it from the Midianites. Does everybody see that? Judges 6, let's see here, let's see here, I thought this was interesting, um, oh, this is, this is what I love, God thinks more highly of you than you do yourself, like when you say, well, I don't know if I can do that, God's like, no, you can do that, I don't know if I'm that person, God's like, no, you are that person. Do you guys know what I'm saying? So here's Gideon. He's threshing wheat in the wine press, right? So he's hiding. And look what the angel of the Lord does. I have to share this with you. This is so cool. In verse 12, of course, Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. You mighty man, you cowardice threshing wheat. But you're a mighty man hiding low, not to be seen, but you are a mighty man low, hiding. <laughs> Did you guys get that? You think, well, I'm nobody. How can this happen? How can that happen? He's using every one of you. I'm amazed at what God's allowing Beit Tehillah to do. All the things we've experienced in the last couple of years, since 2016, God's moving here. How many of there's an opportunity here? You can't say we're just sitting, waiting on time. So think about that. That is so, so cool. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 23, y'all know Ruth, right? So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. This is Ruth. So this would be like April through June, basically. You see what it says here? See, wheat and barley are planted at the same time in late fall, but the barley comes up, which represents who? Natural branches, the Jewish people. 
The wheat comes later in harvest, represents the nations or the Gentiles. That's the way God designed it. So when you're talking about things that are agricultural in nature or to the scriptures, you're going to know the time period of what he's referencing. So here she was, the end of the barley harvest, and now she's going into the wheat harvest. Why? Because Ruth was a what? She was a Moabite from Kentucky. Right? Is that true, Miss Ruth? Were you born in Kentucky? So Ruth the Moabite was born in Kentucky, and so she's a Moabite, right? But what does Ruth do? She's drawn into Judah. She comes alongside in obedience, and she gets an inheritance. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I don't want to hear this, oh, I love Jewish people, Pastor Nick. You know, I, I have a Jewish doctor. No, that's not going to cut it. That's not enough. We need Jewish friends. We need to be friends with Jewish people. We need to come alongside like the, like the Father is, is, is creating here. Amen? The wheat and the tares, and, and once again, Matthew 13, 25, let's read it. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So the tares are among the wheat, are they not? Don't go ripping things out. You don't let it play out. God's saying, let this thing play out. So many people have come and gone through Beit Tehillah. I mean, I don't know if they were a, a tear or not. I don't know. But I'm saying that you got to be careful. You don't overreact. He says, let this happen. Let this play out. And by the way, we talk about the rapture and the catching away, and I don't have time to get into it, but you know who's removed first from the earth? You know who is snatched out of the earth first? Wicked people. I'm not going. Have you guys ever thought about that? The ones that are snatched off the earth are wicked. They go first. I'm not going to be in that line. Go back and read it for yourself. You've got to take the scriptures literally. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, let's read it. I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist. Unto repentance, remember? But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his what? His coconuts. No. He's going to gather his wheat into the barn or into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with, with unquenchable fire. Okay? Do you guys see that? He's going to gather his wheat into the garner. So do you see where there's a gathering? So if you just run around in this movement and go here and go there and run around, I'm going to tell you right now, you will not be in the barn. You know where you're going to be? Behind the barn. Have you ever heard that? Could you meet me behind Mike? I said that to somebody. I said, I, said, uh, I was telling one of my elders, I says, hey, can you just, I want to talk with you. I, I'm, I'm going to the shed. Can I talk to you? They, they go, I'm not going over there. I said, no, I need to talk to you while I get something. Out. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to take me behind the shed. No, don't be scared. Come on. I'll whip you right here. I don't care. Just come on. But it's funny how people, he's like, are you serious? I'm not going back there. <laughs> I said, no, no, nothing's going to happen. I, I got to go get a rake. Then I'm going to use it on you. No. Um, so, so once again, do you see the process? Doesn't Libby do a great job of teaching us about the process of wheat? You know, it, it, when she describes it, it sounds, oh, wheat. Oh, wheat is just so cool. You know, this is what they do to wheat. And Libby's like, no, this is what God's going to do to you. I'm like, no, I don't want nothing of that. Like your clothes, your dirty clothes. 
dirty clothes. I'm going to go wash my clothes. Your clothes aren't excited about all that. You're going to drown them, slosh them, move them around. Then you're going to throw them in the dryer and burn them up. It's not good for the clothes. It's good for you and us. So look at Daniel 2.35. Notice what I have in the corner, May and June. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Do you guys see the, the reference? If you don't learn that summer's important after this, I really can't help you. Because you will be in summer school, whether you like it or not, right? I'm in summer school. I mean, I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning every day. I'm discovering stuff every day. I'm learning about God and everything. Every day, I don't have to figure it out. Because I'm like, okay, Lord, what's this all about? What are you doing now, you know? Oy vey. Let's look at chaff. Well, what is chaff? The husk and other materials separated from the kernel of grain during the threshing or winnowing process. It blew away in the wind or was burned up as worthless. You can find this in Hosea 13.3, Isaiah 5, verse 24, and Luke 3.17. So chaff is something that God wants to separate from your life. It's like a circumcised heart. He wants to cut away that part of your heart that's holding you back, that's, that's causing uh, for you not to, you know, to move forward. What about winnowing? We talk about winnowing, right? Isn't this, what, isn't this what winnowing is? The grain is separated from the inedible parts and the stalks are thrown into the air. The wind blows away the chaff and the straw, letting the heavier, pure grain fall back to the ground. Oh, is that good? Is that cool? Threshing doesn't sound very good because you got this stone, you know, but then, hey, woohoo! Hopefully you don't go that way. Why? Because God says his wheat is going to fall to the ground. So barley is likened to the Jewish people and wheat is likened to the nations. Isn't that neat? Do you think God's got a plan? See, you don't have to be Jewish to be Israel. You don't have to be Jewish to enjoy all of this because it was already foretold. So grapes and figs, July and August. We're moving on here to some, some grapes. Uh, grapes and figs, July and August. Let's look at this uh, little example I thought was interesting. The lesson of the fig tree. Are you familiar with the lesson of the fig tree? I'm going to put a little twist on that and, and make you think about some things as well. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 through 35, let's read this together, this parable. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Does everybody see that? Now hear me out. We know that the olive tree represents Israel, but there's some references that the fig tree can also represent. Israel, okay? So when you, when you want to understand these parables, you got to understand exactly what Yeshua is trying to do. When he's teaching you a parable, he's literally teaching the Torah. See, we try to Christianize the parables, but what Yeshua is actually doing is he's teaching the Torah through the parables, seeing who's going to get the parable. 
So if you look at this parable, it's very interesting. Does, is summer mentioned? You remember when Yeshua cursed the fig tree? What was he saying? But he said, but it wasn't the time for the first ripe grapes. So what is Yeshua kind of saying here? Well, it's not time for the Jews to believe right now, but they're going to believe later. So like when he cursed the fig tree, he was saying, well, they don't believe me now, but there's coming a day where they will believe in me. Does everybody understand that? Why would he curse a fig tree? And, and then it says, and it wasn't even time for the, for, the, for the figs. That defeats the whole purpose, right? So he's trying to say that I did this to show an example, but later the figs are going to come and they're going to believe. Now, some commentary, and I think it's very interesting, when you look at a fig, it represents Torah. Figs represent Torah. You can eat the seeds and all. So when you stop and think about this particular parable, could it be that the Lord is saying, when you see Torah in the earth, look at this. When you shall see all these things, look, it's near even at the doors. Look at this. When his branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, that's the pages of Torah. Leaves are pages. You know that summer is nigh. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that if I'm telling you we're in the season of summer, approaching these fall feasts, we better be ready. Why? Because now we have Torah going into the summer. Now, look how he explains the parable. He does it at the very end. What does he say? He says this, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. It's Torah. Figs are likened to the Torah because you can eat the figs, seeds, and all. Proverbs 27, 18. Let's read it. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. Now, I don't know if this is right. Where was Nathan when they were having a conversation? Where was Nathan when Yeshua says, I saw you under the... Come on, somebody. What was he reading? People Magazine. The National Enquirer. So what Nathan, he put the two things together. He said, wait a minute. You saw me under the fig tree. You must be God then. Because how could you see me? You are the Messiah. Man, I just put all that together and it wasn't even on my notes. Do you see how that just flowed? can't believe it's not butter. It's not butter. Remember that. Can't believe it. It's not butter. Why would you waste your time on this stuff? Why would you eat margarine? Why? Why? What is that? Seriously. Why would you eat margarine? Butter. Just re- eat the real thing. I can't believe it's not butter. That should be against the law. They're telling you it's not butter. So I would eat that. You know what I said? I bought it one time. I was eating it. I was like, I should be eating butter. Because it tastes better than this. All these, I don't know why I went there, but there's all these counterfeits in life for everything. Counterfeits everywhere. Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. See, the Lord is speaking to us through the Torah portions. That's how he's getting his point across. You don't need a panel of people. What do you think God's doing? Read your Bible, folks. We're all on the same page. We're all on the Torah portions. 
The spies explore Canaan. Here we go, July and August. We're going to get back to some grapes. Let's read it. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe bananas. Grapes. So think about this. What does it say on that slide? What's the time? What are the months? Wow. He sends the spies in next month. That's the time of the first ripe grapes. Is this a good word? Oh, Welch's for everybody. Does your life portray a good report or a bad report? Listen, if you don't believe in the vision of Beit I respect that. I believe in the vision of Beit I believe that we're going to raise the next generation. I believe we're going to be a strong community. And I believe we're going to go after God for everything that he's worth. I believe we're going to have a place in Israel. I believe. I believe. Why? Because he promised me it. The vintage begins August and September. The vintage begins. We're cruising right along, folks. Look at you. You're already in August, September. The time for judgment. Revelation 14, verses 18 and 19. You ready? Let's read it. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. He's telling you when he's going to judge the earth. I'll do better next summer. No, you won't, because you're not going to see it. I'll do better next summer. Look at this picture. Do you guys recognize that hand? I'm sorry, it's confidential. It's Casey's hand holding grapes. Do you see it? Is it real or is it Memorex? Is that a real person holding grapes? Are those grapes? And that's Casey's hand and Casey's sitting over there. So Casey, how is that, that you didn't even know your hand was gonna be holding grapes today? Do you like that? You're probably having a bottle of water in your other hand as you're thirsting to death. But I'm just saying that you see how everything ties in? Everything's real. Tell Casey it's not real. You were there for three months. That was great. Don't you want to go somewhere else for three months? Ask her. Hopefully she'll give you the right answer. Is this good stuff? We're moving along. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. This is the most exciting. I'm not even an agricultural kind of guy. I don't have a green thumb. I get a plant, it's dead. It's terrible. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not into agriculture. I, I lean on Tom. He's the horticulturist. Ready for Exodus 19.1, third month. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. So if they've celebrated Passover, right, the children of Israel in Egypt, and unleavened bread and first fruits was when they crossed the Red Sea, and now they're in the third month, would you agree that that's May and June? We're there, aren't we? we? Did we celebrate Shavuot? Okay, two of you did. Just kidding. 
Now, let's, let's progress here because I want to show you some things that took place historically, and then we're going to kind of finish it up. But I want to show you some things that took place because now we've talked about like first, second, third, fourth months. But what about the fourth, fifth, and sixth months in the Hebrew calendar? They fall in the season of summer. Are you guys ready? Do you want to know? Do inquiring minds want to know? Are you guys ready? So here we go. This is the biblical calendar now. Just so you understand, go, listen, if you're overwhelmed, praise God. At least you're doing something now. He blew me away. Good. At least you're blown away, right? What do we say? I just took a drink out of a fire hydrant. How many of you have done that before? That's Eddie Chumney. So here we go. Here's a little list. Let's look at this real quick. Let's move on. In the fourth month, it's called Tammuz, uh, June 22nd to July 21st. Now, how many of you know we're in the fourth month? Okay, let's move down the line. Giving you the answers to the test. The fifth month is called Av, July 21st to August 20th. The sixth month is called the month of Elul. It's August 20th to September 18th, and then we go into Tishri. How many know what I'm talking about? But uh, in the Hebrew calendar, the day always begins in the evening. Okay, so those are actually those, those particular months. So let's get into the fourth month verses, June and July. Let's get into some fourth month verses in the Bible. Here we go, 2 Kings 25.3. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. That, that's not a happy verse, is it? That's hard times, isn't it? Jeremiah 39.2. And in the 11th year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. Is, is that bad news? That's not a good event, is it? That's a tragic, a tragedy. Now, we're in the fourth month verses. Let's, let's continue on. Ezekiel 1.1, he's the correspondent to all those that are in captivity. Here we go, Ezekiel. Now, it came to pass in the 30th year in the what? In the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Do you see the fourth month? How about the fifth month? Fifth month versus July and August. Let's read Jeremiah 1.3. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. Not good. It wasn't good, was it? No. Moving on, Jeremiah 52, verses 12 and 13. He's the correspondent in Jerusalem. We have Ezekiel with the cap cap was in captivity, or Babylon. Then we have Jeremiah in Jerusalem, the land of Israel. Let's read it, Jeremiah 52, verses 12 and 13. Now in the what? Fifth month, in the tenth day of the month, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the guard, which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem, and burned the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire. Is that bad news? That's not good. When did it happen? In the fifth month. Let's look at Ezekiel 20, verse 1. And it came to pass in the seventh year, in the fifth month, the tenth day of the month, that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. So now they're wanting, they're wanting some information. They're wanting to get some answers. Amen? I'm preparing you. Let's go into the sixth month. 
This will be August and September. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. You know Nehemiah, the drummer. Drummer by night, wall builder by day. Okay, let's read it. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month Elul in 50 and two days. See, why do people have a problem with build that wall? If it's good enough for Nehemiah, it's good enough for us. Is that a good thing? What did the wall do? It provided protection. And it's summertime. So you see where this is a good event. See, there's a good action. See, thank you, Holy Spirit. We want good actions in the summertime. We want to be productive, creative. We want to be, we want to be over the top. You know what I'm saying? That's what we want. Proverbs 10.5. Let's read it. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. I think it's been documented that in the summer, the tithes and offerings drop way off. Why? Because it's summer. Vacation. Whatever. I'm just saying it's a fact. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is that I'm, I'm challenging you to summer school. I never had summer school until now. You know that? I, I helped my brother. stuff. So he had summer school. So I started really applying myself and helping my younger brother. And he did, I'm not going to summer school dance. We got off the bus because he was so excited that for the first summer in, in some time that he wasn't going to go to summer school. And I felt for him too. And I felt good too. Because some of you that we all got to do our own work. But he did, I'm not going to summer school dance when he got off the bus, the, the bus door. He goes, I'm not going to summer school. Woohoo! And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to summer school. And then I was singing, I've never been to summer school. And he goes, shut up. But guess what? I'm in summer school now. God's like, oh, really? You're not in summer school? You are now. You guys laugh. I'm in summer school. I'm learning so much. Three festivals each year. We're going to tidy up here. here. Exodus 23, verses 14 through 17. It, this is the three national feast days. We're going to kind of go over this in closing so you understand where we're at prophetically, where we're at, what's happening, what to look forward to. Let's read it. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days, as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month of Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. Right? So do you see the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Now let's go to the next slide. Let's continue reading. And the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is in the end of the year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Do you see that? Do you see what it says here on the Feast of Ingathering? The end of the year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. The summertime is the, this is the best time to win souls, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just share it. And that, that's what I'm discovering, you know. People asking me about what's, what's God doing, what's, what's happening, what's, what's this, what's that. We went to the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We have the Feast of Harvest at the top. That's Pentecost. And now the Feast of Ingathering. Are you gathering or scattering? Amen? I thank God for this place. Beit Hila started in a living room. Amen? I thank God for this place. So God was like, hey, I got more than just the plumbers and the dryers, right? 
I got a lot more people that I'm going to bring together. Isn't that the coolest thing? We share the same faith. Man, this is good. I can't believe that I get to lead you and share this message. I'm telling you, it is an honor and a privilege because I can never come up with what I'm sharing for you. Continuing on. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Now see, this is the original promise keepers. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? The husbands, the fathers should always lead in the Shabbat and in the feast days. Should never be the wife. Should never be the mother. The father's responsibility is to say, okay, we're starting Shabbat, not the mother's. Okay, we're going to celebrate the feast. And the father, the husband should have everything ready and guide his family. And that's really what it's saying is that because these males are doing this, their families are going to follow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank you, gentlemen. Listen, it was the men who, who really wrecked this world. It was Adam. We don't have a second Eve. We have a second Adam called Jesus Christ. So, men, we have a responsibility to fix this broken world. Do you understand that? We have a responsibility. It's not the woman's fault. Did she partake? Yes, but, but it, it's on us. Sin enters in through us. Or you wouldn't have a second Adam. We're finishing up here. Deuteronomy 16, 16. Here's the other verse for the three national feast days. God's redemptive plan. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and in the Feast of Weeks and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Does everybody see that? There's eight feast days counting Shabbat. I'm giving you the answers to the test right now, and I will grade on a curve just for you. Seriously, I'm giving you the answers to the test. So what are you saying, Pastor? These three national feast days show the redemptive plan of God. We've already talked about this. Passover has been fulfilled, is being fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled, is being fulfilled. We are moving towards the Feast of Ingathering, which is Sukkot, which is the pate. And some of you are suspect. You've got to come together. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying, I believe that God is giving us an invitation to join the Jewish people as Christians to see this reunion. Steps to maturity can be found in the three national feasts. We're finishing up here. This is it. If you get this, man, you, you've got the answers to the test. Because we're there. The upper room, it's really the Temple Mount. Because how could they see him in the upper room and that they were drunk? It doesn't make sense, does it? So they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And these people are drunk. These are people that are witnessing the event. The true upper room, the upper room is the Temple Mount. It took place on the Temple Mount. We got to go into this room. No, it was on the Temple Mount. Here we go, Feast of Passover. What does this mean? It's the outer court. It's redemption. It's a lamb. It's a child. It represents a child. Say, that's me. Come on, are you there? It's the outer court. In the outer court, you're exposed to the elements. You see, what, Listen, the closer you get to God, the safer you'll be. <laughs> so when I'm saying, let's run to the Temple Mount, let's run to Israel, you know it'll be the safest place. But the devil's trying to tell you it's not going to be safe. So you're in the outer court. It's redemption. It's a lamb. It's a child. That's the Feast of Passover. 
Number two, we have the Feast of Pentecost. What does it represent? It represents the inner court. You pull back the curtain. There's five columns. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Because there's the menorah. There's the table of showbread. There's the altar of incense. Come on, some of you are probably wondering two things. What is that on the stage? And why is the altar of incense up there? Well, you know why it's up there? Because I'm waiting for you to learn how to pray. It will be an object lesson. It's not even coming off. I didn't even thought about taking that thing off. Well, it's kind of obstructing my opening video. And Lord's like, no, leave it up. Let them see it. Let them see it. What do we do? We bring the altar of incense down here. We put our prayers on it as symbolic because we're praying God's will. Amen. I would like a new fridge, but that's beside the point. What is the Feast of Pentecost? It's the comforter. It's youth. You know what you love about the Feast of Pentecost? Bunch of know-it-alls. Youth. The youth. You're not a child anymore. You're a youth. Remember, you got to crawl before you can walk. You have to walk before you can run. And what does the Bible say? You will run and you won't grow weary. For you will have a brand new pair of new balance running shoes on your feet with arch supports and air conditioning. Just something I thought about. Now we're up to this point. This is today. But we're progressively moving quickly now throughout the earth to number three, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is symbolic of what? The Holy of Holies. The gathering, and it's a wedding And now you're an adult. Say, I'm an adult. An adult. You know, it's interesting in Matthew 9, verses 35 through 30. I just wrote this in here. I'm not going to read it. Yeshua says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Remember, he looked out over the people. He says, I feel sorry for these people because they have no shepherd, right? So that's what he says. He says, look at all these people, but there's no pastors or shepherds to guide them. He felt sorry for them. So if you look at the prophecies in Jeremiah and a few other places, what does the prophecy say? God is going to raise up pastors and shepherds after his own heart. These pastors and shepherds will have the heart of God. They will speak the heart of God because they want what God wants. So when I share with you all that I'm sharing, I've, I've, I've experienced the Father. I know his heart. And when you try to second guess me, I'm like, I've been in his presence. I've, I've seen his heart. I've, I've heard, I heard his cry. I know, I know what he wants. Amen? See, many are called, but few choose. Three generations. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Well, how is this referencing maturity, responsibility? Well, it's right here. We got three generations of 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Isn't that cool? Don't we just, our children mess up and we just forgive them? Why? Because they're going to mess up tomorrow. Little Eva, she'll do something today. Forget that. There's a brand new one coming tomorrow. And it's like this, you know? I get it. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Let's read it again. Keep reading. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. 
You know your sins are forgiven. You're maturing now. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Young people, listen. You don't have to fall into temptation. You don't have to screw up your life, and i got to go sow my wild oats. No, you don't. Don't make the mistakes that we've made. That's why you get mad at us and want to call us out. You're trying to control me, and you can't tell me what to do in my life. Listen, I don't want you to make the mistakes that I made because it's gut-wrenching, heartbreaking, painful. I've been hurt, and I've hurt others. I don't want you doing that to other people. Amen? Like even Paul said, I did a lot of these things because I didn't know any better. I look back on it now. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I can't believe I lived like that. I can't believe I did that. But it's so real. It's because I wasn't born again. I wasn't redeemed. I didn't know any better. Is this a good word? Because you have overcome the wicked one, I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. See? Keep reading. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abideth in you. You have overcome the wicked one, young people. It says, my sons and daughters will prophesy. Young people, you have a voice here. Don't cower down in those purple seats. God wants to use you. You have a word. You have a prayer. You need to give it to us. Because the Bible says you're going to do it. Casey went off. She's in the spirit. She's shy. She never dreamed in a million years she could do that. She's like Gideon's sister hiding in the wine press. I'm not going to stir up anything today. I'm going to hide. Just And God's like, no, you get up, girl. You play that guitar and you sing loud. You sing strong. See, you don't know Casey wasn't like that. You think, oh, what an anointing, what a gift. She, she was not like that. Casey will tell you, right? That's one of her worst fears. I don't want to get up in front of people. Uh, and God's like, oh, you're not going to get up before people. You're going to play the guitar and sing. And they're going to see you all over the world. What? Cut the live stream. Cut the live stream. All over the world? Where's Casey? Oh, she's behind the, uh, the bongos. I'll prophesy back here. You guys laugh, but I'm telling you, young people, this is your time to shine. This is your time to feel the glory of God and experience it together. Three generations. Come on, somebody. Come on. Think about it. You know the Father. Your sins are forgiven. What? How hard is life? My sins are forgiven, and I'm supposed to come to the Father. Isn't it that simple? I love my children. Come to me. They're in my lap. You guys go by and... And it's like my, my daughters are loving on me. They're on my lap, and that's good because I'm their father. Amen? And then when you get older and they sit on your lap, you can't feel your legs. They go numb. Big kids don't sit on your lap because they can't. It's not, it's not healthy. Big kids don't sleep in your bed, you know. I could just see Josiah. Hey, Mom, Dad, can I sleep with you tonight? No, get out of here, man. You're six foot tall. You'll kick me out of here. All right, come on, let's snuggle. You guys laugh, but we love our kids, don't we? You guys laugh, but it's true. We, we let the little ones sleep with us. They get a certain size. They're out of here. You know, they're as communicated. You go to another place. My ribs are sore, you know. But teach his own. Teach his own. Finishing up. Three generations in the last days. Joel 2.28. 
Look what Joel says. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Does everybody see that? Now, that's three generations in one building, one place. It's happening. And look what Peter does in Acts 2, 16 through 18. Peter's going to reiterate. He's like, listen, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Everybody. Remember when, when, when God said, I'm going to put 70 elders, I'm going to put the spirit that I gave to you and put it on these 70 elders for, to help you run this community, this congregation, Moses. I'm going to pour out the spirit that's in you on them. And what happened? Me, dad, and El dad. Hey, I'm me, dad. I'm a dad. They started prophesying. Josh like, hey, those two guys over there, they're prophesying. They were part of the 70. That's 72. God said 70. What did Moses say? I wish they would all prophesy. I would say the same to all of you. I wish all of you would prophesy. Amen? Because when you prophesy, it's all going to bear witness together. Here's the ant. That's it. Amen? I hope you had uh, time to think about this because I'm going to say a prayer because I'm believing fruit is going to come from this because you got all summer to practice this. And here's the quote. People don't plan to fail, but they fail to plan. So, Father, thank you for this word. Let it come a hundredfold. Father, we are your children. We are your sons and your daughters. You're our Abba. And, Father, you've given us these promises, and we just, we just thank you for them. It's a divine assurance of good. The things that you want us to pursue, the things you, that you want us to do, you'll give us provision, you'll give us protection, and you'll give us satisfaction, Father. You will give us the desires of our heart. So we want everything that's coming to us, Father, every individual, everybody in this church, Father, anybody listening right now, Father, we want all that's coming to us because we are heirs according to the promise. And we can only uh, appreciate this and ask for this in the name above all names, the name of our soon coming King, Yeshua of Nazareth, amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody.